Morning. All right, we're going to be in John chapter 11, as Pastor Larry just brought us to. So feel free to turn your Bibles there with me. Uh, we are going to continue on celebrating the resurrection this week, uh, mostly because I only got like 20 minutes to preach last week. So uh, I needed to backfill, and we're going to carry it over. Uh, we had a lot going on last Sunday. What a wonderful morning to be able to celebrate baptisms to have our uh, children in the service with us, watching those baptisms and be able to spend some time with them and to be reminded of all that God's done for us through his death and resurrection. It was, it was a great morning. If you happen to miss it, maybe you were away, maybe you were with family last week. If you happen to miss it, you need to pull it up and watch it. Um, the stories that were told about how God has been changing lives, uh, and it was only, there was, I mean, there was eight of them. It was wonderful, but that's only a few. Uh, God is doing work. He is changing lives every day. And it's our privilege to be able to be able to listen to them, to be able to hear how God's doing that. And then also the big challenge, and one of the things we want to look at today as we kind of dig into God's word is, do we understand that we are as well resurrection people? Whether you were baptized last week or 30 years ago, how are we living as resurrection people? And what does that look like? So we're going to spend some time looking at that today. We'll start in John chapter 11. Uh, so look there with me. I want to read you a quote George Herbert, writer and author, pastor, uh, wrote these words. Death used to be an executioner, but the resurrection of Christ makes him nothing more than a gardener. When he tries to bury you, he's really planting you, and you're going to come up better than before. I'm going to read that for you again. Death used to be an executioner, but the resurrection of Christ makes him nothing more than a gardener. When death tries to bury you, he's really planting you, and you're going to come up better than before. And this is how planting works, right? Seeds go into the ground. They are not beautiful things. I mean, you can look at a handful of seeds. They don't look like much at all, actually. But when planted and pressed into the ground, when taken care of the right way, they will grow and blossom into beautiful things. See, death brings life. The death of a seed brings life to wonderful things like flowers and plants and things that we love to be able to look at. Similarly to that, the death of Christ brings resurrection and life. And us as people who are seeking to follow him, our death to sin and their former life is resurrected into life anew in him. Death is needed in order for life to take on all that it can in all of its beauty. That's what it means to be resurrection people. Jesus' death, while painful and hard, and I, you know, we've talked some about, and we did on Good Friday, I can't imagine being one of those disciples who had devoted their lives to following him and thought he was going to institute the kingdom right in that very moment, and instead he goes to the cross. They were shattered, but only for three days. And the resurrection brought life that they would have never known or been able to experience if Christ had not gone to the cross. The resurrection truly, we talked about this last week, it changes everything. But it's not enough for us to spend Easter Sunday having a wonderful day celebrating baptisms in a full house, spending time with our kids in the service, and going home on a spiritual high 
if we don't know how that changes us. It changes us completely to know what Christ has done. It should change us completely to know that God defeated death and raised him from the dead, bringing life from death. So death no longer, as Pastor Herbert would share with us, is not an executioner anymore, merely a gardener. He's been bumped down the list to actually planting seeds for the body of Christ to grow. As we think about being resurrection people, I want to share with us today four distinct things the scripture calls us to as resurrection people. Four distinct ways that God has empowered us to live differently than we ever could, even if we tried, without him. So I'm going to give you those four things and we're going to walk our way through four different passages of scripture as we go. First, resurrection people believe. We are people who believe. Secondly, resurrection people have died to sin. Resurrection people have died to sin. Third, resurrection people live for Christ. And then fourth, resurrection people have hope and light. So today as we dig into God's word, and we start in John chapter 11 because we're going to talk about the fact that resurrection people believe, and God was super clear to make sure Jesus has this conversation in John chapter 11 with his followers because he wants them to know what it means to know who he is and to truly follow him. Resurrection people believe. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Read there with me as we look. Verse 25 and 26 of John chapter 11. He says this. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus asks a very specific question, and I would pose the same question for all of us today. Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that because he's the resurrection and the life, your perspective on everything else in this world changes? How you endure hardship is different because he's the resurrection and the life. How you handle people who might betray you is, are different because he's the resurrection and the life. How we decide what fills our days or what we're going to search after in life or how we're going to build a legacy in this world, all of that changes because he is the resurrection and the life. When Jesus says this, he's talking to two of his closest friends, and it's because his closest friend that we know of, Lazarus, had died, and they were shattered. They were distraught. They had asked him questions like, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, even death has purpose in God's kingdom. Even death. 
I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This kind of resurrection life comes with this question. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus says to him. Do you believe this? And now, Mary and Martha were some of his closest friends. They had known him for all of his ministry life, and they, they knew him probably longer than that. Lazarus was probably his best friend, so they knew who he was, and they believed who he was. They believed he was different. They believed he was the Son of God. They believed that if he was there, he could have saved Lazarus. They, they believed, but Jesus still poses them the question. He still lays it in front of them. He says, do you believe this? And I think specifically in this particular circumstance, he's saying that for this reason. He's saying it because they're going to have to remember that going forward. Not just right at that moment. Not just right when he raises Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus walks back out of the tomb. That's not the only moment they need to understand that he is the resurrection and the life. They need to understand it every other moment. That's why he asks them, even though he, he knows they already believe who he is. He says, do you believe this? Because if you do believe it, everything else changes. Every way we respond to things changes. Our heartfelt desires change. If we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So first and foremost, before we jump into the other things, do you believe this? As I said this week in, in few weeks before this too, and thought about this particular passage and that particular question, the Lord kept working on my heart because even for me, you know, I, I would sit and say, if I'm like, yeah, I believe, I believe this, right? But it's like Jesus keeps having this conversation. He had it with Peter, right? Do you love me? Yes. Nope. Do you love me? Yes, I do. No, Peter, do you love me? Because there's a difference between loving me and loving me. And that's what he's posing here for us, I think, as well, for Mary and Martha and for us. We've come off this Easter season where we celebrate richly and are amazed at how God is working and making people new. Don't forget that it changes tomorrow, too. Monday morning, when you wake up and have to go back to your job, it changes that. Don't forget that it changes how you're going to live in every instance going forward. So first, resurrection people believe. Secondly, Romans chapter 6. So turn there with me. It's just a little bit to the right in your Bible from where we are there in John 11. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11 here in Romans chapter 6. These may be familiar verses to you, what we what I would like to do today is emphasize the fact that resurrection people have died to sin. Sin has no place in a life that has been made completely new. Resurrection people have died to sin, and there's many passages throughout Scripture that give us this concept, but in Romans chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 5 down through 11, so read with me as we go. Romans 6 verse 5 says, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order 
that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ is being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider is an interesting word that he uses there. This word consider is one that would imply for us we have to consistently be thinking about this. Constantly be thinking about this. That we have died to sin and been made alive together in Christ. This is the age-old question. If I'm made new in Christ, why do I still struggle with sin? Why do we still struggle with sin? Because there's three distinct victories that God gives us in Christ in his death and resurrection. He delivers us from the penalty of sin first. And the penalty of sin is death. Romans talks about that. Many other places in scripture does. And and Jesus sets us free from the penalty of sin through his death and resurrection. He also sets us free from the power of sin, the power of sin in our lives. Before we are made new in Christ, we're enslaved to sin. It, It really is somewhat of a hopeless scenario. We don't have a choice in the matter. We're irretrievably broken. And if we're honest, we knew this about ourselves. That we were enslaved to sin. Sin wasn't just some peripheral thing that generally affected us in different times and places. We've been broken. But Jesus sets us free from being enslaved. Instead of being a slave to sin, we have been made free in him. So, Christ's death and resurrection setting us free from the penalty of sin and setting us free from the power of sin. But here's where we stand currently. Awaiting the day when we're set free from the very presence of sin. That will be nice. Amen? I'm looking forward to it. Are you? I certainly hope so. A couple of us are. I am so looking forward to that. Why don't I have to have another conversation about how sin is affecting people? Why don't I have to sit on my own as I read scripture or talk with the Lord and think about how sin is affecting me? That'll be nice. That'll be a good day. And we wait for it. We look forward to it. We hope in it. We know it's coming. It's where our faith is driven towards. In the end, we will be delivered from the actual presence of sin entirely. But in the meantime, we have to live with the end in mind. Live with eternity guiding us. If we don't, we will revert back. And sin will own us again. 
And our lives won't look like what they should look like in Christ. And Jesus has set us free so that we don't have to do that anymore. People that are free don't willingly go back to bondage. People that know what they've been set free from are going to get as far away from that as they can. That is the life of resurrection people. Resurrection people have died to sin. Our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Not just scaled back, brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. If we have, verse 8, died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do we believe that? Do we believe that, church family? We will live with him. So live now like we believe that we will live with him forever. That's how the resurrection changes us from being enslaved to being set free from sin. Let's be committed to putting sin to death. Not to a nap. To death. Let's be committed to being people who don't want any residue of it in our lives. And we press that way. Resurrection people have died to sin. Verse 11. So you also must consider. It's this word, consistently think about. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Next time somebody asks you how you're doing, you know how to answer them. I am truly alive. Truly alive. As Christians, as followers of Christ, as people of the resurrection, somebody asks you how you're doing, your head shouldn't go down. It should go up. It doesn't matter what's going on around you right now. You have the greatest gift that anyone will ever actually get. Even if your day was rough. Resurrection people have died to sin and been made alive together in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there with me. Our third passage we want to look at is 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and some following there. I'm actually going to read all the way down through 21. So 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. Resurrection people live for Christ. We are dead to sin and we live for Christ. Last week, eight people stood before us in the water and signified their old life going under the water and going away. And their new life, and they are raised up into this, their new life being solely in Christ, not in themselves. That's what people, when we talk about baptism, when we have this conversation, somebody says, I want to get baptized. One of the most important things is this. You are getting up in front of everyone and saying, Jesus is not only Savior, but he is Lord of my life. He is ruling 
in my heart. And you get up, and this is, I think, partially why people are a little bit nervous up there. Some of them were nervous. They did a great job. Nobody looked all that nervous. But they were a little nervous because you get up here in front of everyone, and essentially, you're then held accountable. Everybody in the room or online or anybody that knows this, wait, wait, you identified with Christ, right? You committed to living a particular way, right? And whether you got baptized last week or you were baptized a long time ago, that is what you were committing yourself to. Death to sin and alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I, I think maybe we need to hear that verse again. So take a step back. Let's read that one again with me. Verse 15. He died for all. Why? That those who live might no longer live for themselves. If you're a follower of Christ and he has made you new, you don't live for yourself anymore. Does your life look like that? Do your decisions look like that? Would the people around you in this world, your neighbors and your coworkers or your family members, your friends, would they all look at you and say, that person really doesn't live for themselves. They're living for something else, even if they don't know what it is. We no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God. That's a wonderful phrase, isn't it? just in case you were confused about who got to do this work. It wasn't me, it wasn't you. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God caused him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the best deal you're ever going to get. He takes our sin, we get his righteousness. You could almost go home thinking, man, we totally fooled him and made out on that. That's a good deal way better than I deserve. We got his righteousness. He took our sin. 
That is why verse 20 says, therefore, because of that truth, we are, here's the word, ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone from a sovereign nation who lives in a different nation, simply proclaiming everything that they should be about their home sovereign nation. This world is not our home. We're not going to stay here forever. This will not even be here forever. We are ambassadors. We are representatives. That is why we live now in the resurrection. Resurrection people live for Christ. God's intention for us celebrating Easter and knowing that he came out of that grave is the fact that we can then stop living for ourselves and live for him. Verse 20, after it says that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Have you ever thought about that as a believer? God is making his appeal to others in this world to follow him through you and me. He wants to use you. There is so much more to living as resurrection people who believe in this than being here on Sunday morning. Now, I do firmly believe that this is a vital part of what God has called us to do. Being able to be reminded and celebrate together and see the family of God and literally just kind of have a family reunion every Sunday morning, which is wonderful, but it's not all of it. This here, being in this room today, singing these songs, looking at God's word, being encouraged, last week watching baptisms, being blown away by God, changing lives, it is for a purpose, folks. It's so that we walk out of here and represent him well. He wants to make his appeal through us. And I love the next phrase because some people think you might be talking about this too much, Pastor. Nope. Let's talk about the next phrase. We implore you. You think Paul's not pretty dedicated to this particular task? He says, we implore you. He is, I am begging, he says. I am begging you to be reconciled to Jesus. I have no particular pride in this. I will beg you and implore you to follow Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what resurrection people look like. 21, verse 21 is a reminder that he took on sin and gave us his righteousness so we would represent him well and implore others to follow Jesus and know the freedom that we have. Resurrection people believe. Resurrection people have died to sin. Resurrection people live for Christ. And fourth, resurrection people have hope and light. Familiar passage that we've been spending time in is 1 Peter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter 1, 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
He has given us hope. The next time you feel hopeless, hopefully you remember this verse. The next time the world around us looks hopeless, hopefully we remember this verse. He has given us hope. This is why, folks, I mean, we, you gotta walk out of here on a Sunday morning with a smile on your face. Because I don't know who you're gonna run into next. Some restaurant you're eating lunch at, maybe you're going grocery shopping, maybe it's just your family. You're gonna get in the car and ride home together. But do you in that moment understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has brought you hope that no one without him has? No one. And we're called to represent that to the world around us. It's not only hope, it is a living hope. A living, breathing hope. That's what he has done for us. Acts chapter 26 in verses 22 and 23 expound on this as well a little bit more. Not only hope, resurrection people are people of hope, but they are people of light. Acts 26, 22 says this, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, say nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. He brings hope and light. Resurrection people should shine in our world. Your lives should look like you might be a little bit crazy. It's okay. Don't worry about that. Usually if you act a little bit crazy, somebody asks why. <laughs> what happened to you? Oh, good. Thank you for asking. We are people. We should not be fearful or depressed all the time or sad. It doesn't mean those emotions don't come on us. They do. But when they do, are you listening to yourself or are you talking to yourself? Because that'll change how you respond. People of hope and light. People with hope and life live to tell others where they can find hope and light. That's what it means to be ambassadors that we were talking about earlier. This kind of idea of representing Christ in the world around us, what it means is, one, blind beggar showing another blind beggar where to find bread. Come with me, I'll show you. I found it. I want you to find it too. Each and every one of us has multiple opportunities every week to show someone hope and light. And if need be, be okay with identifying with Paul and begging them <laughs> to look at it. Imploring them. More than a minor secondary suggestion. But our lives should be 
the first piece that implores others to examine the resurrection of Christ. People watch your life. They should say, something doesn't totally add up there. I need to figure out what it is. Resurrection people live with Jesus' resurrection in mind, and they look forward to the final resurrection in the end. So full circle, how do resurrection people live? What does it look like for us to be resurrection people every day? It looks like we are people who know what God has done for us. The greatest exchange that ever happened in taking our sin at the cross and then after the resurrection, handing us his righteousness. What an amazing blessing and gift that is. Let's be people who live like this, who live like we believe, who live like we have died to sin, who live for Christ, and who live like we have hope and light. And let's take that to the world around us. I want to read for us just a couple of verses, and you can turn there with me because I wouldn't encourage you to follow with me. It's in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 13, I want to read verses 20 and 21 as we close. In Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, we will have our sending after we respond to the Lord through singing and spend some time considering what he's telling us this morning. But have these verses in your head as you think these next few minutes and talk with the Lord. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's be resurrection people on Easter Sunday, on every other Sunday, and on every other day in between. Let's be people who believe and who live differently.